0: New Dissident Radio. Listen before it's illegal.
1: Are you confused about real food and what's healthy and good for the planet? Do you need the facts about local, organic, and sustainable food? Well, get ready to change the
0: way you eat. Get ready for The Appropriate Omnivore with Aaron Zober
1: right here on Green Earth Radio. Hello, and welcome to another edition of The Appropriate Omnivore on the new Green Earth Radio. We've got a great show for you today. With me is Rhonda de Felice, my good friend, also known as the Good Green Witch. And I'll also be giving you St. Patrick's Day edition of our desserts. But first, let's go to our appetizers where I talk about what happened this week in the world of real food. First, a new study finds that lack of sleep can make you crave more food. Researchers allowed people to sleep as much as they wanted to and found that the people in the group that were sleep-deprived had eaten more calories. I find this study particularly important because it shows that weight gain isn't just about what you eat, but it can be caused by outside factors as well. New research shows that the collapse of bee colonies is linked to the increased use of incesticides, particularly the chemicals sprayed to coat corn seeds. Until now, researchers have been puzzled at the cause of colony collapse disorder, and this sheds some new light on what could be responsible for it. Now, here's another reason why you should eat organic food. Food sprayed with harsh chemicals is not only bad for you, but bad for the animals around where the plants grow and those plants that you're eating. Researchers have found a link between type 2 diabetes and white rice. According to the data, the risk for diabetes rises 10% with each daily serving of white rice. A lot seems to be misunderstood about the cause of diabetes. When Paula Stone was diagnosed with adult-onset diabetes, so many people blamed it on all of the butter she ate. But diabetes, by definition, is having high blood sugar. So it makes a lot more sense that something like white rice would cause diabetes than butter. Also, personally, I much prefer the night taste of the brown rice to that bland white rice. Next, while raw milkers are continually being arrested in the U.S., Over in France, the country is acknowledging the health benefits of raw milk. Dairy farmer Michel Cantaloube has invented a raw milk vending machine. France, now, they're one of the healthiest countries, while the U.S. ranks rather low for a country of its size when it comes to health. And I find that there are many things to learn about how the French have a healthy diet. Their acceptance of raw milk, well, that's another one. Lastly, on Friday, the group Occupy Monsanto gathered at Capitol South metro station in Washington, D.C., with everyone wearing hazmat suits. This was to protest Monsanto's lobby on government as the protesters held signs that said Congress is genetically modified. And this is not the first time that the Occupy movement has gotten into the issue of big agriculture. In L.A., occupiers have been trying to tell everyone to go vegan. Well, I should say certain occupiers. Not all occupiers are vegan. But anyway, some have tried to tell people to go vegan because of big ag. And this certainly was a very divisive thing in the Occupy movement. On the other hand, protesting GMOs, this is something that applies to everyone, whether you're an omnivore or a vegan, because all of those diets have foods which can be genetically modified. And now for our main course. Today the topic is greenwashing. For those of you that don't know what that is, greenwashing is putting a spin on a product to say it's environmentally friendly when it really isn't. Greenwashing occurs in all types of products, but we'll be focusing on when it applies to food. The term organic is certainly becoming more mainstream, as we see the opening of more organic restaurants and supermarkets. But the idea of organic itself, that's not perfect. Organic foods can still be sprayed with some unnatural products. Organic meat just means that animals ate an organic diet, but nothing about whether they were totally pastured. Processed foods such as cereal can be certified organic. And these certified organic products don't have to be made of 100% organic ingredients. And then there are products which don't have the certification, but they say organic on them because they have a few organic ingredients in it. But still, organic is a start, and anything labeled that is better than most of the other food out there, even though there is a need for a beyond-organic movement. Then there are products that are labeled natural. Now, unlike being certified organic, there aren't any specific requirements for a food to be called natural, and there are other words that they use to make food more real than it is. Fruit snacks that are filled with high fructose corn syrup sometimes say they're made with real fruit. How about just eating the real fruit itself? Or there's the term fresh. Restaurants say they use fresh ingredients. It doesn't say whether or not these ingredients are GMOs or sprayed with toxic chemicals. Or they'll say freshly baked for a food that's, not, that's bad for you, like donuts. Then there's probably what's the most extreme greenwashing to hit the food industry yet. I'm talking about these McDonald's campaign called Farm to Fork. It's the, in these commercials, we see the farms that the food comes from. We see where the lettuce and potatoes are grown. Never mind how it shows that these are both grown in monocultures, which yields weaker nutrients. Never mind that neither of these crops are organic, and they both fall on the dirty dozen list of foods to not eat when they're conventionally grown. And never mind that the potatoes are then shipped to regional processing facilities where so many unnatural ingredients are added to make the french fries you eat. McDonald's also has a commercial where we see the cattle farm. Of course, they don't mention how the cows actually spend very little time on the pasture and are soon shipped to feedlots where they're in confined spaces, given food they're not meant to eat, and injected with hormones and antibiotics. Farm to fork is a huge lie because it implies that these aren't steps that there aren't steps in between the farm and your plate. But the one thing about these misleading ads is that it shows that even McDonald's acknowledges that people are starting to want to know where the food comes from that they eat. We just need to learn what food is real and what foods the industry is only trying to tell you is real. With me to talk about this greenwashing is someone that's a huge expert on it, Rhonda de Felice. She's also known as the Green Witch. She's got a blog about it, and she also hosts... A radio show on this very station and actually um, appears just before mine. So Rhonda, it's great to have you here.
0: It's great to be here. This is a weird place for me to be on the guest seat. <laughs> um, thank you for having me here.
1: Oh, thank you. I mean, you've had me on your guest a number of times, and that's gotten me introduced with this station. That mm-hmm. you know, I loved it so much that I wanted to do my own. So <laughs> I thought I'd return the favor and have you on. And thank
0: you. I'm you more know. relaxed over here because I'm not on the computer.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Make me more nervous, as you know. I've only been doing this for a month. <laughs> oh, sorry. No, you're
0: doing great. That's some oh, good information. You. You, you called me an expert. I didn't know half that stuff you were talking about. That's really cool. Oh, Wow,
1: well that that feels common. well. You know, you've um, you certainly you've written some great blogs about greenwashing. Thank you. I know it's um, and always because we go to a lot of conventions together, yes. and you'll often say like, you know, that was a good convention. There not a lot of greenwashing there, or sometimes like, wow, that, uh, that you know, was- <laughs> a lot of uh, these conventions have greenwashing. In fact, they we too. just went to the Natural Products Expo last week, and I know you've talked in your show before that you know, there is some some greenwashing in it. Um, mm-hmm. What was your overall opinion of the Natural Products Expo this year when it comes to greenwashing and what products were good?
0: Yeah, well, I think I told you before, I have to go into that show saying to myself over and over and over again, this is a natural products show. This is not a green show. This is not an eco friendly show. This is a natural products expo. And so, with that mindset, I had a much better time this year. I mean, there's still a ton of products that are in horrible packaging. I tried to talk to some people with their wonderful natural food. Well, can you tell me a little bit about your packaging? And they couldn't. So great products, really good food. Um, but overall, we have a long way to go.
1: We do. For me, it was a thing that, I mean, because I also knew that too, that not everything in there is truly what I find to be sustainable, to be natural. Um but for me, I guess I looked at it as there were a number of great booths there of companies that I like. So I kind of felt it was worth it for those. And originally, I thought I was going to only talk to those. But then I decided, you know, actually, <laughs> um, for me, you know, it's not as much about the packaging, although that is important. And I do try to certainly talk about it sometimes in my blog. But for me, the biggest concern is, like I talked about, you know, about saying foods that are natural, quote unquote, that. They're really not that natural. I I decided to approach a couple of these booths about their products. I'm glad. Um, Yeah, that's what you got to (laughs) do. You know, like, you know, and sort of, and learn what their reasoning is about it. You know, like one that, you know, one, for instance, that had pasteurized eggs, not pastured eggs, but pasteurized eggs. And I wanted to know their reasoning behind it. Or, you know, other ones where a lot of them, they use agave, which agave is another type of greenwashing because. You know, They say, oh, it comes from a plant, but it's really – it's the syrup. I mean it's really just another corn syrup. I mean I would say that it's better than high fructose corn syrup because it's sweeter and you can use less. But between like agave and cane sugar, I would still have to go with the organic cane sugar. Mm -hmm.
0: I learned a lot about some companies that uh, maybe I wasn't too – I didn't think I'd be too thrilled with. Like Gardein was there, Cheat on Meat. You Mm -hmm. and I are both – yeah, we we didn't like that company at all, but uh, they were there and they were actually pretty impressive. Not that I'm going to be a vegan now, right? Or eat their foods? Yeah, I mean, I it was kind of tasty. I,
1: I I see a lot of these soy meats as very much as greenwashing because there's heavy processing. They use a lot of different ingredients.
0: Are you using GMO soy? They weren't able to answer that question for me. Yeah. I th- the one I like best that we hit together was that um, that bison meat place.
1: That was so good. Oh, uh, it was
0: delicious, and you talked to them c- for quite a while.
1: I did, yeah. And actually, I found there were a lot of bison meats, and I definitely want to get some of these on my show. Probably, uh, probably have them upcoming on in a little month in a couple months because we're going to be doing a whole meat lovers May, and so
0: I love it. So I want to be uh, be talking <laughs> about.
1: Well, I do a whole thing on game meat because it's it's a thing that I've really gotten into. So game meat is. Uh, very appropriate. Yeah, there was actually there were a lot of great uh, booths that had this buffalo jerky. Another one was called Buff Bar that I talked to on my own, and because the uh, the founder of it, he basically he was saying it all started when his daughters couldn't eat the uh, you know beef because of all the bad things in it that he was eating, <laughs> and you know, so he got them on eating you know buffalo and more game meat and. I decided to ask him, you know, not that, uh, not that I would recommend anyone to do this, but I said, you know, <laughs> did anyone uh, suggest, oh, you know, maybe you should all go vegan and you can avoid this? And he said, no, that wasn't an option for <laughs> meat eaters, which... I love it. Yeah, that's the kind of stories I like to hear. That's that's the kind of stuff people say, and we want that on the show. And Exactly. So, you know, he found a way to uh, to do it, with you know, a solution. Um Against factory farming that isn't veganism. It's instead eating – Sustainable. Right. Eating, you know, game meat because buffaloes – I don't know if there are any factory farm buffaloes. I think it's all
0: – Gosh, all I hope not. Or,
1: I hope <laughs> not too. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and buffalo meat is also good. I, that's how uh, Aaron and I met for the listeners out there. It's like we aren't vegan. I'm not a vegetarian even. Um, we both believe in sustainable eating, which – in our world, includes sustainably raised, responsibly raised meat. So that's why we get along so well. It is, yeah. You
1: know, and actually, I was, as with the topic of the show, greenwashing, I was thinking, oh, we're going to do a show finally, uh, getting off of meat. But, uh, oh, yeah. I guess okay, it's just that we get into it. No, it, no, it no is. problem.
0: <laughs> no, uh, for greenwashing, I do know a lot about product greenwashing. As far as the food greenwashing, yeah, I really hadn't thought that much about it. So it was really good to hear what you were saying. I hadn't thought about it. It's true. When I thought of food greenwashing, I thought of, oh, having all this food, but it's still processed through all this crap, and it's still packaged horribly. That's not that's not green. If you're going to take right. something and and package it in plastic again, that's not green. But you you went even further with, with uh, greenwashing. Yeah, and that
1: is a good point, too, because I do like to bring that up as far as buying organic foods, of, you know, thinking what's coming. And there have been times where actually I bought a... Uh, a product that wasn't certified organic, uh, but it, you know, it seemed uh, – it didn't seem like it had too many, you know, unnatural preservatives in it. Uh, <laughs> and it was sold in glass versus the other one that was certified organic was sold in plastic. Mm-hmm. That is certainly a thing also we have to consider. And, I mean, I also, you know, I like to support, like, these restaurants. Some of these restaurants that serve these organic foods, these pastured meats, sometimes they have a lot to, that they, they throw away in it. And so, yeah, those are issues that I brought up. Um, you know, then, well, now we're getting back into the whole uh, vegan versus omnivore thing now, which is more green, um, some packaged soy meat, you know, in this uh, in this paper, and then it's in these little plastic trays, or you could go to a butcher and get a, uh, you know, a nice cut of uh, grass-fed beef, and you can even ask them, don't put it in anything. <laughs>
0: exactly. Don't put that in a plastic bag, and they won't.
1: I it's heard about, in yeah. in butcher paper. Yeah, I heard about this blogger my friend told me about, about he only buys things with food where there's nothing that you can throw away. And it includes meats, and he lost weight even doing this.
0: Wow. Well, that certainly flies in the face of vegetarians and vegans saying, you, you, you know, you have to be on that vegan diet to lose weight.
1: Right. It's all about sustainability, people.
0: And, you know, the greenwashing in food. Uh, are you being greener, and here I go again, with, if, you're, if you're eating really processed things, if you're eating GMO soy... That's not greener.
1: Right. There's so many levels, I think, to being green that kind of you can't say that green is just about what produces greenhouse gases or what's not sprayed with the chemicals. Yeah,
0: cow burps and farts are creating methane, which is contributing to global warming, which is what. But you and I are against factory farming, which is where that stuff comes from. So what then?
1: <laughs> well, that's the thing. So many of these arguments I see uh, saying eating meat is unenvironmental. Well, no, only eating factory farm meat is unenvironmental. Is- not environmental.
0: I agree. And like you said, the bison, those aren't going to be factory farmed yet. Those people you talk to, like that first one that we met up together, uh, those were Native Americans. And obviously they're not involved in GMOs. They're not involved in factory farming. Companies like that, that's awesome. And, oh, that stuff was
1: tasty. That was so good. Right. And, I mean, I I just always love bringing up that example that the – Indian tribes were one that we consider like kind of the first environmental society, and they ate meat, so.
0: I say that all the time, too. But they ate, you know, they used the whole thing. I had a vegan say to me once, oh, well, yeah, if you can use the whole cow, what do you do with the teeth? And I turned around immediately without missing a beat and said, put him in a gourd and make a rattle for the baby. Nice. And he had nothing to say.
1: Right. Well, and that's the thing with the whole use of like leather, you know, with the whole cow, it's like. Eat the meat, and then you can use the uh, you know the skin for. They um, used everything, right? Because the you know, the alternative to leather is leather, which is made of synthetic oil. So I so want to know true. how that's considered environmental, and, and you know, and there's there's a thing of like greenwashing from the term of point of pita that you know they <laughs> say all these you know synthetic furs and leathers, right. Um Yeah, I and don't... They try to call themselves green.
0: Exactly. I mean, even you can take it to the point where the cotton that you're wearing, if it's not organic, it's not friendly.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, yeah, because so, a lot of there's a lot of GMO cotton.
0: In, not... Cotton is one of the most heavily pesticided crops there is.
1: Yeah, because you know, a lot of times I'm in like store, you know, department store with people, and they say to me, "What's the point of organic cotton?" Like, they don't realize why it's important for cotton to be organic.
0: Yeah, five of the nine pesticides that are used on cotton, the top five pesticides used on it, are known cancer causing agents.
1: Yeah, they all think like because that organic has to be something that you put into your mouth. and like, No, no organic cotton's cotton is very
0: important. I mean, if you think about it, they just spray those plants like nobody's business. So that's going to wash off in the rain. It's going to wash into our water supply, so those pesticides are in our water supply. When you wash that cotton, those pesticides don't magically go away. They're still there. It's still
1: touching your skin. And you have to think of it, you know, another thing with Monsanto is that they control these crops and that they expire in a year so it's also in addition to that you know organic cotton you're basically you're supporting Monsanto just having the control over it and
0: mm-hmm. yeah you you, know. you mentioned the honeybees yeah there was that report out that the the corn is now they're suspecting that's what's killing the bees with organic sustainable <laughs> you don't have that problem the bees live
1: right and and honey also that, um, and there's a good alternative to, uh, to sugar.
0: Yes. Honey is awesome. And, you know, when you are sustainably raising bees, you're not taking everything away from them. You're not hurting them. You're not causing them grief. (laughs) You're living in a symbiotic relationship with them. And bees are awesome. They aren't going to be like, ah, they're taking my honey. They just keep going and doing what they're doing.
1: Right. Well, it's kind of for every, you know, using any type of food from animals. I think of Joel Saladin, he calls them valued workers, is he sees as <laughs> Exactly.
0: <laughs> Symbiotic. You know, beekeepers, I find to be more in tune with nature than uh, your random everyday vegan. I really oh, agreed.
1: do. Agreed. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, I think a lot of these random vegans, they try to say that they have all this knowledge of nature and science. I mean, you know, but beekeepers, here's someone who's actually studied it. Yes, so. and
0: they know what's going on I think on they with know these. a
1: thing or two about bees, considering <laughs> and they've they actually studied it versus vegans just read some thing on a PETA website. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but again, we're not here expert. to bash vegans. Yes. Uh, so, but, but this was your first uh, natural products expo that you went to uh, last week. Well, actually, weekend.
1: I'd been to it once before, oh. but just kind of in and out. And I didn't have the appropriate omnivore blog then, so I kind of didn't really, you know. I was kind of going there, and it was really just kind of to uh, – the taste stuff really. Oh,
0: and it was so good. And that's another thing I really liked about it, natural products, but it wasn't a vegan event. It wasn't even a vegetarian it wasn't, event. Right. There were tons of of course vegan products and of course a lot of even a lot of the um like skincare and stuff like that touted being vegan and all that stuff. But it was there were dairy places there. Stony Brook was there. Um the the bison people. Right. There was meat. There were dairy places represented, so... There were.
1: In fact, there were some of my favorite dairy places. For one, uh, Strauss Creamery is one of the best, uh, most sustainable dairy places. And probably, as far as ice cream that you can find widely in California, I'd say Strauss is probably the most sustainable. Nice. And also, Organic Valley is another one, and mm-hmm. Sierra Nevada Cheese Company in the hot products section. Nice. Because they they have a line of raw milk cheese, and... And true raw milk cheese because here's another greenwashing is these ones that Organic Valley calls raw milk. Well, it's below its degrees, what is the uh, required degrees of pasteurization, but I don't know, that's like, I think pasteurization has to be maybe like 164, 165, and it's like one degree below that. But to be truly raw milk, you have to be below 105 degrees.
0: Ah, Okay,
1: and so Sierra Nevada, they're one that um, actually lives up to that. They were probably I just think beer the only one there that (laughs) (laughs) for pasteurization. No, for Sierra Nevada. Oh, Sierra Nevada. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of people say that. (laughs) (laughs) That's not a bad thing. Well, they have good beer too. I mean, (laughs) they they make an they make an unpasteurized beer because unpasteurized beer is good too.
0: I have to say one cheese and i'm using air quotes because it was fake cheese company that was there was dia cheese
1: is it dia or daya daya i think so i used to call I it daya, daya too maybe because that's my first reaction when yeah really when I hear well that. yeah
0: because it's dairy so maybe it is daya but um it's a cheese that's not made out of soy for once it's made out of tapioca they said and that stuff is so good it's so creamy. It's wonderful. I wanted to talk to them a little bit more, but they were a little busy and I was a little fried. But um, I, So I was, I was grateful to be introduced to companies like that. I was grateful to talk to the Gardine people and the owner of Gardein, um to learn that he's not a vegan. He eats meat. And that their company is up in Canada, and it's a very sustainable plant. So I felt a little bit better about them. I won't shun them completely. I still won't buy their product. But I won't shun them as much as I was before. So I felt good about being exposed to companies like that where before, you know, as an omnivore, I was going, I'm not even going to look at them. (laughs) But, um, yeah, I was able to check them out. But, again, grateful that there were actual meat and real dairy places there, too, because that is natural.
1: It is. And so yeah, I mean there was a thing I, I mean it's kind of a thing of there was something for everyone. There, I think so. They yeah. really covered all the it the bases and they didn't um, you know they didn't kind of single out kind of one approach to it which is nice. And they Very even nice. have labels to this to the sections such as there's organic, there was natural, and I think to realize I think people need to realize um while I did talk about how organic has specific requirements, it doesn't always mean that organic is better than natural Sometimes there are natural companies that just haven't gone through the certification for it. Good point. One of my favorites that was in the natural is one called – they're called Good Health Natural Foods. And I like them specifically for their line of potato chips because it's (laughs) the only line of potato chips I know where they're cooked in olive oil or avocado oil instead of these awful vegetable and canola oils. Yes. And they're not organic. And I wanted to – I tried to ask them about it because – my only issue with that of while um, certainly that, you know, these organic potato chips when they're fried in vegetable oil are still really <laughs> not that good for you. No. Um, you know, it's also a thing of, um, as I explained, potatoes are on the dirty dozen. It's one of the foods they that's say true. you should never eat conventional. And so that's kind of like, hmm, you know, cooked <laughs> in vegetable oil or organic potatoes, which is of a greater issue. And it's hard for me to say. And so I asked them and – you know, they they said um, they don't they don't have organic certification, um, at least from what they told me. They said, though, they don't spray any chemicals on the potatoes, which, yeah. you know, I can only take their word for it. Um, well, yeah, they, they have but to.
0: That's what, to be organic, I think you have to ha- be pesticide-free in the land right. for 10 years, I think.
1: Yeah. So I, I have to take their word that they didn't spray anything. But like, there's a good example of something that's just a natural product, but... I would recommend that over any of these organic potato chips. Mm-hmm. So there was some good stuff in the naturals. And I thought really the hot products was probably the best section. I because love was, the stuff. Though. That's where we yeah. found
0: the bison meat. Mm-hmm.
1: And also where I saw Vital Farms, which uh, my favorite eggs. In fact, I uh, <laughs> had some today for breakfast. And nice. I told them when I saw them last week, I said, you know, actually, I just ate some Vital Farms eggs today. And <laughs> they were really amazing.
0: Cool. Yeah, I love the hot products. I found so many cool things down there. It was great that expo. I know that you know not everyone can get into it. I'm very grateful that I was. I went to all three days. Saturday I was only going to stay for a short time, but I stayed the whole freaking day because there was just too much good stuff around.
1: There was. I realized next year I need to spend more time because I mean last year I think I just went there for like two or three hours before it closed and realized I needed more time. And mm-hmm. I thought, oh, but you know how many of these? there's probably a lot of ones I'm going to skip over. How many can I really see? I thought just spending most of Saturday was enough. And I realized next year I need to do even more because there just there is so much. Yeah. And and I would like to next year maybe approach some of these ones, these vendors for the uh, the meat substitute products. I totally
0: did. Products. This year – yeah, the past two years I've only gone for one day and it was nowhere near enough. So I did. I dedicated myself to spending the three days there. And I did. The first day I went to people that I knew and liked and wanted to talk to – And then the second day I thought, I'm going to challenge myself to some of these products that maybe I don't approve of and see if one, if they can change my mind or two, if, uh, you know, just get to know. And I did. And it was, that was awesome. So yeah, I highly, I highly recommend that next
1: year. Mm -hmm. Now, I know you talked to some of them that have the plastic packagings about changing things. and.
0: Yeah, we talked yeah. to Sea Snacks. Right. They were really nice.
1: Yeah, and now because um, I wondered, what's your thought on like if a um, if a company would still do like essentially a plastic packaging, but it would be a bioplastic?
0: Bioplastics, and we saw a lot of them too. There was a booth of all compostable products, and uh, some of their some of their thoughts were uh, that they wanted to get rid of any they wanted to replace any plastic product that there was out there, which I wholeheartedly endorse. Um, bioplastics are tough just right yet because people don't realize they're bioplastics. They get mixed in with the recycling and it ruins the recycling. Cause if you put those products in with plastic, it will ruin that whole batch of recycling. Um, so there needs to be more awareness about that. Or if we could just like go cold Turkey on plastic and replace it all with bioplastics immediately. <laughs> <laughs> but then, you know, with that, even, you know, if you get into corn plastics, quote-unquote plastics, then are we using GMO corns? Are we using farmland to grow corn for packaging instead of growing, oh, hemp? Mm -hmm. (laughs) That kind of thing. So I don't know. Well, agreed. And and it
1: bothers me that so much of the plastics that we use are so much based on vegetables when there is another alternative, which is algae-based plastics.
0: Algae and hemp-based plastics. That too, yes. Both of those.
1: And that we haven't gone directly towards those. That instead we grow to. I mean, because I've seen like, oh, there's like potato, plastic, sugar, wheat potatoes,
0: uh corn. Or I think are the three main. Now, are those better than plastic? Uh,
1: yeah, but they still have their problems too. Though, right. And why are we using all those for the plastics? Yeah. Oh well, I, I know. I wondered if kind of, or I have a take on why it is. Why do you think it is? Why?
0: Because Monsanto's in control. Well, that yeah. And I
1: was also going to say also. Subsidies. These are yeah, all the corn we subsidy. make them all. All of the products that the government does subsidies on. Yes. So it's easy, you know. Oh, there the, is no the, algae subsidy. No,
0: there's no hemp subsidy because it's only going to grow hemp here. So we import it from Canada, which makes no sense. We could have so many jobs here if we just allowed hemp to be grown.
1: Right, and I want to say that also as i are talking about straw dairy, that another reason that I like them is because they have. Their glasses of – their milk, uh, they don't sell them in the paper cartons. They actually sell glass jars of milk in the stores.
0: You know, that brings me that. to something else. I mean people are like, jobs, jobs, jobs. What about the milkmen who used to drive around the glass bottles and pick them up the next morning and you know, bring back filled ones? That was a job. Why don't we bring that back? Mm-hmm. You know?
1: Yeah, had you talked about that in your blog? I I mentioned it somewhere. Okay. Yeah. So you were the one that mentioned it because I was like, I did. did someone else mention that? Yeah,
0: because it's like there's a job and there's getting rid of plastic and there's using glass instead. That was a great thing. Right. Why did we get away from that?
1: Yeah. Well, it's also like, you know, with all these pesticides that we spray, why don't we instead, you know, hire people to remove weeds uh, from the garden? There's another job.
0: Why don't we use gardeners instead of planting lawns to plant uh, gardens? <laughs> mm-hmm. Which is uh, Farmscape, the guests I had on my show a couple weeks ago. They actually will go- come to your yard and plant a garden and maintain it. You're paying for a gardener to maintain your grass. Why not pay for a gardener to maintain your food?
1: Right. And I say this uh, speaking of because uh, <laughs> my summer job for several years was actually doing like landscaping and gardening. So <laughs> I know the uh, the money that it brings in. So I kind of say this from my heart of uh, – that you can do all this and <laughs> instead of using chemicals, use people and you know, people get paid.
0: And have food.
1: Yeah, because I mean these – because these weed killers are not uh, cheap. I mean if you think of the money that all these – some of these people put towards the weed killers. They could instead – instead of putting it towards chemicals, put it towards helping people.
0: Yeah, it's the same amount or less water than, than you know, watering your grass – why not grow food? You'll save money because then you don't have to buy your produce.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. As, as I'm uh, looking at getting a house, that's a big thing Yay. I plan on. You can have uh, a garden. Oh, absolutely. That's – yeah, because people ask me like um, why – you know, for one person, why do you want a house? Why not just get like a condo or a townhouse? And I said – my answer right away was I want a garden, which to one <laughs> of my friends that's a homeowner, he's like, oh, um, <laughs> I hate gardening. Do you want a garden for me?
0: uh yeah actually my friend john mccabe who's been on my show a couple times he's a raw food vegan which i won't do myself but i really respect him because he's not into all that processed crap or anything like that he will go to people's places and you know if they let him have a garden there then you know that's another source of food for him because he lives in an apartment doesn't have a garden himself and so you know if a friend has a tree of oranges and they're not using them all and we'll have you come over and pick some for yourself. That's awesome.
1: Oh, yeah. I plan to share that. And also because I need a little kind of lesson on, you know, on how to actually, like, you know, grow vegetables and grow things in my garden. And, you know, I want to look – I was thinking of maybe looking into something like the Echo Park Time Bank where they'll, like um, – you know, because you can, like, trade services for it. Like, it doesn't have to be the same thing. So, like, maybe there's someone that, you know, knows a lot about gardening that could help me. And in return, <laughs> you know, they can get some of my vegetables because, you know – the thing is, you know, the thing about gardening is that, you know, it's all fresh things and organic. Know, yeah, and well and the thing is, you know, with um, you know, with these non-natural foods, I mean, you know, and the preserves the one advantage they have is that they stay longer. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's a thing that, you know, I don't know you know that I'll be able to finish all the food in time in, you know, in my garden, so I think why not have someone help me grow it and since there'll probably be a surplus, they can Get some of the food that they help me grow.
0: Yeah. Well, Farmscape is definitely a company you could look into for that. If you don't have a friend who comes forward to help you do that, Farmscape will – they'll set it up and if you want them to, they will maintain it or they'll teach you what you need to do and just get you started. So they're pretty awesome. They have different ways. So friend them up on Facebook. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> they will come, start it, leave or come, start it, maintain. Totally up to you.
1: Well, that sounds great.
0: It does, and you know, you, I can't wait to have a garden again. We used to just give away bushels of stuff if we grew too much, and that was that was a community thing. That was a beautiful thing, and it was sustainable. Mm-hmm. It right. was organic.
1: And where I'm moving, I hear that actually there's a a natural uh, food supermarket that actually ha- allows people to do that with their gardens. If you have some extra stuff, nice, like a so co-op, but, right? Well, it's not officially a co-op, oh. but it's, um, you know, basically it's it's an independently owned natural health food store, nice. not, you know, not one of these chains. And so I know some people in the area that they've sold their food to it. And Very cool. I'm starting to see restaurants do that. A few restaurants will do that too. Nice. Forage and Silver Lake, they do that.
0: Is that a is that an omniv- omnivorous restaurant? It is, yes. Nice. Mm. I don't think you go to too many vegan right. restaurants.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, but it's one which I'll have to say is um, if you are a vegan or vegetarian, it's good for, for that too because... I mean, you can get these, um, you know, like most, I think most of the main dishes are, you know, meats. But if you're someone that's vegan or vegetarian, you can just, you can actually pay for just a number of the sides. And so.
0: And they have a good
1: selection. They do. And and I like it because, you know, it encourages them to uh, people to not just eat the meat, but you get a lot of sides of vegetables, too. Nice.
0: I think that's the way it should be going. I have John Bon Jovi actually opened a restaurant in New Jersey that's kind of almost like a co-op. If you can't afford a meal, you just help out either in the garden out back where they get all their produce or, you know, just help out in the kitchen or something like that. That's that's a real community thing to do. And it's encouraging people to grow their own food too. And, you know, if you've got a couple of chickens out back, that's great. There are your eggs.
1: That is a wonderful thing, right? And there's also the restaurant in L.A. called, was it the the Home Girl Kitchen, where it takes oh, yeah. these at- at-risk teens mm-hmm. and has them garden and then – They have a restaurant where the food's served, and that's when also it is an omnivore restaurant. Mm -hmm.
0: Because you don't have to be. (laughs) Because it's appropriate. (laughs) It's sustainable to eat meat if you do it right.
1: Yeah, and I know you're bothered by uh, vegans that ask for vegan options at restaurants when we don't ask for options at vegan restaurants.
0: Yeah, that does bother me.
1: I guess it doesn't bother me as much. (laughs) Um, It shouldn't bother me. For me, it's kind of... um, (laughs) If they do that, then it takes time. If they'd rather uh, bring it in rather than just trying to get the restaurant to stop serving meat options.
0: I guess, yeah. No, I totally agree that there should be vegan options at omnivorous restaurants. That's fine.
1: But I can think of three examples of vegan restaurants that serve omnivorous options. Really? Yes. It's all owned by the same person, Tony and now. I believe he's a vegan. And, I mean, that's the thing. Tony's Darts Away, Mohawk Bend, and now the— the pub at the Golden Road Brewery, those could also essentially be described as vegan restaurants. I mean, I think on all the menus, you know, typically at a regular restaurant, you see a V for what's marked vegan or uh-huh. there's some symbol. But at his ones he has marked not vegan. Ah. And yeah. I think that's really admirable that he'd rather just, you know, give some non-vegan options rather than try to say to everyone that goes to his places, yeah, you're going to have to eat the vegan food. I mean, I when first hearing that. about Tony's Darts Away because all these vegans were rave, I thought, oh, this must be some like vegan gastropub. And then <laughs> I looked at it like, oh, no, actually, it's just that they have a number of vegan options.
0: That's very cool. Yeah. Why can't they all just be restaurants? Why can't, why can't, can't we be? all just get along?
1: <laughs> we, really can't, we really need to work more on that. I really think we need to work more on the dynamic of the two groups Communicating with each other, and
0: yeah, because we can all be green. No one's greener than the other, and although they would say that you are, they say, "Oh yeah, a a vegan in a Hummer is greener than a meat eater in a Prius." No,
1: no, that's no, that's a fallacy. You're right? One thing I've known <laughs> with a lot of these vegans is they're known to lie, <laughs> exaggerate, um, and even they drink the Kool Aid. Right? I mean, you know, in those numbers, they only apply to. You know, I really wonder where do they take these numbers because, for one, that only refer, applies to factory-farm meat. But then also it's like, you know, in their carbon footprint, what do they measure? I feel like they cherry-pick what they want in there. Yeah. All they're saying is that they're only saying that there's low-carbon footprint like in the, you know, in a carrot. But, like, how about the uh, the fake meat? You know, Yes, the soy, of, right, the packaging. You know, these are greenwashed because, right, the packaging and also that – they involve, you know, a lot of ingredients. And so where do, you know, where do all these ingredients come from? Are they all in one place? Yeah. Or are they driven to another? That, yeah, it's it's easy to manipulate the data with it's it. It's so easy. And there's a great book I've heard about that actually says that a lot of these numbers about the meat industry, you know, even the, the very unstable part of the meat industry, a lot of it's been exaggerated. The book's called Meat, a Benign Extravagance, written by Simon hm which he... He kind of talks about that whole thing, and, mm-hmm. and so kind of he then you know says about how there's um you know, kind of talks about kind of a I think a middle way between the uh, the solution we have of eating meat and the solution of veganism. He kind of talks about a third way in it.
0: Cool, yeah. It's not I don't I don't ever feel it's one way or the other. I'm not going to try to convince vegans to eat meat. Of course, I'm not going to.
1: I'm not either because I guess some people think that I you know people ask me oh have you convinced everyone anyone to uh, not go vegan yet. <laughs>
0: I'm a live and let live kind of person, yeah, you know, and I want to ask
1: these vegan these vegan Have you convinced anyone to go vegan yet? And well, some of them have said yes, but it's like because it's what some person that was probably already thinking of it, and mm-hmm. you're just a closer, really. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> you know, I mean, how about a vegan who's convinced someone like me to go vegan? Have you ever has that ever worked on someone like me?
0: No. <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying that I will never, ever, 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 ever. Something might happen in my life that makes me change over. I, you know, I'll not rule it out. But as of now, I, I really enjoy meat. The sustainable, you know, responsibly raised meat that we do get is delicious. So much better than the factory farm crap. You know, I feel like it, it comes down to we waste a lot in this country. And maybe if we didn't waste so much that, you know, the factory farming wouldn't be necessary. Do you really need a dollar cheeseburger on a menu at a fast food joint? No. A burger shouldn't be a dollar.
1: It shouldn't. That's the thing. And and that becomes then the thing of then if we go to these more sustainable practices that you know, it's um we can't produce as much and it takes, you know, more time to produce them that it becomes more expensive. That would mean us eating less meat because of the resources used for it. And somehow vegans are still against it when, like, wait, the whole change where it wouldn't we wouldn't be able to charge these dollar burgers would mean that not everyone would be able to afford as much, mm-hmm. and it goes to eating less, and, hmm, how is that a bad thing? It's not a is bad that thing. that kind of going in your direction? They yeah. want it very much in all or nothing. I mean, because, yeah. like, um, you know, while there's these McDonald's ads, there was also, I don't know if you saw the Chipotle ad.
0: I love the Chipotle they ad. They do,
1: and I saw some vegans on this board. They were so angry about it, like... How it romanticized the issue of meat eating, and it's. But then I saw one person that responded, like, "Look, you're not going to get everyone to switch overnight, and you know if you if you don't if you want uh, there to be actually some people that gradually change, you can't just." Come out with this all or nothing approach.
0: Exactly, and for people who haven't seen the Chipotle ads or aren't familiar with this company, they started out as a huge subsidiary, or like McDonald's was a huge investor. Correct, in
1: McDonald's was an investor. A lot of people think they were owned by McDonald's. Something they still are. It was just like
0: a parent. They company. just
1: they, McDonald's had just invent, invested money. They were right. always independent. Yes, but right. Which, which but, you know, it, it shows the interesting thing is that um, while McDonald's they haven't, um, you know, they're still serving this cheap meat and they're making these greenwashing ads, obviously they realize that there is something about this whole organic, sustainable local movement when...
0: They'll go over where the money is. Yeah,
1: and they're um, I'll actually say one good thing about them. Um, they The one good thing they did was actually the fish they've served, I've heard, is sustainable. Oh, really? Yeah. Because it's hard to get sustainable fish. And right. they, they
0: stopped with that one chicken place, too.
1: Mm-hmm. So, but, small uh, steps. It is. But, but back uh, <laughs> to
0: Chipotle, they... Use really, really good organic stuff for everything. Their meat is sustainably raised; it's not all factory farmed, and the the produce that they use is organic and local. Right, it's a really good company,
1: and they're moving more in that direction of and trying to so get tasty. more local. And you know, certainly in some areas they have totally pastured meats. I think in the so good. reason they want, in the California region, the one that they use is Neiman Ranch, which that's one which is a not entirely pastured. I think at the end. Of them, they send them off after they're pastured. But Neiman Ranch is so much better than a lot of other ones. The factory farms, yeah, yeah, that it's much better than. The-
0: <laughs> and so it's really good food. It's tasty. You can taste the difference. Factory farm meat tastes terrible. I will be the first one to admit that I don't like factory farm meat. But I still eat meat, so I try to get it from the small. Like Sprouts has a really good butcher section where uh, you you know they tell you the farm it came from, and you can trace that. Sure, it's a little pricier, but as we were saying, maybe you don't need to eat meat three times a day. I'll admit that. You can even skip a few days if you want to. And if it costs more, then we will skip it a little more, which, yes, would be better for the whole vegan-vegetarian thing. But then we have to marry that with our our own local gardens and our houses and the stuff that we grow ourselves. We have to reclaim this. This It's kind of what my show that we just had – Talk, we talk completely about taking back the power, taking back your health. Diabetes, obesity, climate change, that stuff can be solved by you growing a garden. It really can.
1: It really can, yeah. And certainly, you know, with this whole thing with, I talked about earlier in my appetizers, the whole thing with Paula Stone, or, no, it's not that Paula Stone? Paula Dean. Paula Deen. Yeah. Did I say Paula Stone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Paula Deen, um... The whole thing with her and um, the diabetes is—it really bothered me how everyone was blaming it on the butter. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, I, I just no—I I don't think it's that diabetes is too much sugar. So maybe it was the you know cookies that she put butter in. You know, the cookies Could that be. she made had. Butter in them, but or
0: the Krispy Kreme donuts she used as a bun, <laughs> right? <laughs> mm. <laughs> That's delicious. I mean, if we're eating more naturally, and you know, I've I've known vegetarians that really aren't all that healthy because they're eating junk and they're eating processed crap. Which is why, you know, I respect John so much with the raw food veganism. Me is... too,
1: yeah. I mean, I think, you know, in, a, in one way, right. that can be harder to do than It's hard. Because I guess, you know, some vegan dietitians actually recommend then some of that processed food to eat. Yeah. There's but no yeah, the, the raw vegan I can, I can respect because they are ones that do go totally for real food. And I mean, although I'm not, you know, a vegan or raw, they do have a lot of similarities of what they go for and what I go for specifically – I think I like to go for a lot of things. I think they're better when they're not too cooked because of the carcinogens. Mm-hmm. So I do share, I think, certainly some things with the raw movement, and, you know, like, like raw milk and raw red wine vinegar, raw apple cider vinegar. Um, I guess it's not raw beer, but unpasteurized beer. Mm. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's cool. There was a whole uh, Saturday – let's see, what day was it? I think it was Saturday night. There was all organic – um, it was a mixer with alcohol there was a lot of wine there that was supposedly organic but there were some beers there
1: too was this at the convention? at the Marriott? yeah at the convention yes, i went to that yeah Bragg. ah they it was there 100 years yes yeah because i'm a big supporter of them because yeah apple cider vinegar that's one which is better than regular vinegar because vinegar it's so distilled and mm-hmm. it's a thing basically for uh for products to keep a longer shelf life in fact um yeah, in fact, well, Hannah Crum, who she's going to be a guest next week. Oh, nice. She can tell you all about that. She's she's taught me a lot. Um, yeah, vinegar, it's a thing to keep a shelf life, but it doesn't do anything for your digestive system, ah. the white vinegar. And so what's a better if you're going to use a type of vinegar is apple cider vinegar, because that's not, it's not diluted like the white. But the thing is, a lot of apple cider vinegar is pasteurized, mm-hmm. which... It loses the benefit. So what you want is raw apple cider vinegar and Bragg. They're a company that makes oh their apple juice was delicious too.
0: They had apple juice right alongside of that, and it was so
1: good. Yeah, yeah, they had a great party. Yeah, because they had at the they had the it was the Eel River IPA there, which is that's an organic beer. Yeah, great party. (laughs) I mean, that's one which I had to drive. They had said that they were around for 100 years, and they start, they started using the term organic in the 30s, which I found interesting because I thought in the 30s they just called it food. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, that's, you know, shortly after that is when all the pesticides started coming out because uh, Monsanto had to do something with all that Agent Orange, so they created Roundup because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, that stuff that you're spraying in your lawn is basically Agent Orange, people. The pesticide, not the, yeah, the pesticide. No. Pesticides, yeah. The uh, herbicide. Herbicide. Yes. That's right. The, the weed killers. Um, yeah, so there was... Yeah, white vinegar I only use for cleaning. I don't use it for anything else.
1: I have, you know, I for a while... Well, I don't... Well, I
0: there's, use there's apple cider vinegar. You realize
1: that a of stuff in white vinegar isn't, which, I mean, because actually, I preferred actually... You know, the thing was white vinegar before we used to ferment foods. And mm-hmm. the thing is, I, I discovered actually... Um, I was really worried when I was going to, you know, try to avoid white vinegar at all that I have to give up my favorite type of pickles. But <laughs> I discovered actually Bubby's Pickles do not use um, – they do not use white vinegar. They just don't say fermented, I think, because of people's perception Perception, yeah. But it does say something on there about how actually they're um, – something about how they're actually, like, not probiotic, but it says something about actually how they have, like, I don't know, maybe, like, healthy bacteria. It says something mm-hmm. on there that explains, um, you know, they actually have some things that are beneficial for your digestive system on it. Nice. And so that's – so, yeah, so that's one doesn't. But, like, um, oh, you know, and I guess – a lot of these things I don't buy for home, but I mean, you know, when you go out, sometimes there's, you know, there's like mustard and ketchup with white vinegar in it. Your Heinz,
0: yes, it's not my Heinz. <laughs> I don't even know if they have that. They make it in Pittsburgh anymore. Well, I don't know, but I'll blame it on them <laughs> because
1: their name is on the Steelers Stadium. Yes. It
0: will. <laughs> My rain boots. <laughs> Got to wear my Steelers rain boots today because it was raining.
1: Well, we could go, you know, about three fourths in, I guess, without duking it out with. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we only mentioned. The, we only started mentioning our own. Steelers.
0: <laughs> in my show before this one, he was the, my guest was mentioning that in Detroit they're doing a lot of um, just claiming the lots that are just there from the completely ruined economy and growing gardens mm-hmm.
1: urban gardens yes yeah uh, yeah i've heard about that that's, been that's a lot. awesome oh yeah in detroit of all and yeah yeah and the thing is actually these local food jobs they're actually good for job creation they create yes. more jobs so, you can't
0: outsource that
1: yeah it solves two problems which i love
0: it solves a multitude of problems actually. yeah i should
1: say yeah not two but
0: <laughs> many uh, many maybe problems
1: two really large problems yes and smaller ones too
0: yes like obesity like uh, reconnecting with the earth, like climate change, because you're not shipping food in from somewhere else. You're not bringing your tomatoes up from Florida. You know, if it's the tomatoes off-season, you don't have to eat it. Mm-hmm. Stop it. Right, you know. Th- <laughs> We're I lucky think, in California, but yeah.
1: Yeah, I think some ways we could do similar things, I'd say, with, with meats of, you know, maybe there's some meats where they're more in-season or they're Well, they're yeah, regional. you can't
0: get lamb all year round because, well... Lambs are born at certain times of the year. Horses are born at certain times of the year. Not that we eat horses. I'm just saying there are specific times when things are... I don't eat veal. I hate the thought of veal, so that's different. But yeah, it's it. Uh, we don't eat elk here because there aren't elk nearby, you know? Eat what's around you. Eat what is sustainable.
1: I'm agnostic on the idea of veal. Um, one that I've actually decided that I'm for in... When it's raised sustainably, though, actually is foie gras.
0: Oh yeah, that was that's a big. I you know I don't make it a point to eat foie gras, but I figure if you want to eat it, okay.
1: Right. Well, my I've learned a lot about it because there are some things that I think people don't understand. One is that ducks have or they do not have gag reflexes like humans, so the whole thing of seeing them fed the tube. You know, it's not like when a human is force-fed with a tube. And they do walk up to get these. Now, the more important thing I learned is that actually you don't even need the tube in order to have this done. Because I always thought, oh, well, that's the only way. But no, there's this farmer in Spain. The ducks just walk up and eat the food.
0: Because they'll eat till they can't right. eat anymore. They're like pugs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Okay.
1: Yeah, so you know, with those conditions I'm okay with it. Um of course my other thing since it's going to be banned in California in June, my argument is even if you're against the fogra like, you know, in like the last month, last couple weeks, I say you should go and eat it for the reason that otherwise it'll just be thrown away. That's so, so true. So you're prevent- preventing landfill. So I think even if you're against it since it's going to be banned <laughs>
0: <laughs> I don't remember last time I actually had it. I'm I- I've
1: actually – I don't know that I've – I don't think I've tried it because I don't know. It um, sounds a little – I don't like a lot of very soft foods, but <laughs> I've heard people say, oh, like it tastes different than liver. Um, I've, but there is a place that serves a foie gras sausage, so oh, interesting. I'll maybe start with that. I
0: just didn't know it was that much of a problem. We really should think more about – we should worry less about that and think more about, oh, uh, tuna, bluefin tuna, mm-hmm. which is going to be extinct. That's a little bit more of a problem in my mind, it is,
1: and it's just you know the fact that these ducks that you know it doesn't really it's not as painful like it looks and that they walk up i mean there's worse things done in factory farming than you know even you know probably maybe the worst uh foie gras instances true you know it's all just they're attacking it because it's an expensive food and Yeah, they think that that,
0: animals are being tortured. Right. Well,
1: well, it's like they know that they think they can win this because some people view it as more cruel and and because it's it's an expensive food that I think it's easier to get support. It's considered you know a luxury. uh, I can
0: see where that would be. Yeah, I can see. I can see that. I really, I don't think about it one way or the other. I just, it's not on my radar.
1: Well, you know, a lot of these people in the West Nay Price, they're big supporters of it, and so they're very much. Against the ban in California, I mean, they've described foie gras as being cruel, cruel to not be allowed to eat.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I like that. <laughs> it's just, if it were, yeah, uh, there are bigger things to worry about in my mind.
1: There are. I mean, for one thing that, you know, these factory farm things, While not only is it worse, but that a lot more people eat that food. Mm-hmm.
0: Yes, it's true. This is a problem that, yeah, so few people, it's not that widespread. Let's Let's discuss more... The the dollar menu stuff, which of course they
1: exactly the, they're against that too. Banning, uh, yeah. Well, and it's a thing. I think this because they know that they can absolutely abolish it. Whereas you know, getting rid of factory farming, well, we'd still we'll still go to free range. So uh, whatever, whatever. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, we'll attack this because it's easy to beat. Uh, so you put that victory feather in your cap and you're good to go. No, no. Let's go after the harder stuff. Let's go after styrofoam. <laughs> It's covered in plastic bags. Come on, those are much more harmful.
1: Absolutely. Than
0: overfeeding ducks and geese. Come on. Mm-hmm.
1: So, do you? I'm um, going back to the greenwashing um, about things in plastic. Do you buy any foods that are made in plastic, or do you pretty much say no? To-
0: I try, but it's very hard to avoid. I mean, I really do. I, you know, I try not to get takeout too much because that's in that mm-hmm. stuff. And do you ever bring your own things to takeout? I have. Or I've asked for, like, if m- maybe I have half a sandwich that I'm taking home, I will ask for foil instead of the styrofoam carton, mm-hmm. which they look at me funny for a second then they go, oh, yeah, cool. Right. Which I think is
1: awesome. It's good. Actually, I'd say, though, the best thing, actually, to wrap it in is wax paper because the one thing with aluminum foils, I guess there's been some links to Alzheimer's disease. Nah, I don't believe that. I'm not you reheating don't. it in foil. Oh.
0: You know? you ha right. You have to activate that foil to get some kind of chemical oh, out well, of there.
1: What if you're, like, freezing it? I'm not. Oh, okay. I guess for takeout it's okay. It's a yeah. thing that – for when I put stuff in the freezer, I don't yeah. use aluminum foil. Okay. That's different.
0: Than, than <laughs> I, that. It bothers me like it sprouts at the butchers when they put something in a plastic bag and then wrap it in the paper. It's like, why, why, why do you need to do that? You don't need to do that. Skip the plastic bag, please. So, yeah, and always, you know – I wish that they would ask you if you want a straw at a restaurant rather than oh, rather than just assume you want one and stick one in your beverage because yes. by then it's too late.
1: Exactly. That's one of my big pet peeves is raise. Oh, just so when much. they give you a straw and it's like, well, you gave it to me now. I, I have I to do? use it.
0: It's unwrapped. You just like right. give you the option of getting a straw or not instead of me having to say, no straw, please, and then them am still bringing it because someone different brings you your beverage. <sighs> yeah.
1: Yeah, I like that thing you said that um, – Plastic straws are evil and glass straws are beautiful. <laughs> yes. They are, I mean. <laughs>
0: they are. But then someone came on going, well, you can't give those to kids. Well, then don't. <laughs> what is your point? <laughs> They're like bamboo straws or why do you even need a straw? Good point. And then people are like, well, you can't drink from the can because that's been in a warehouse that's been in the – so don't drink that stuff.
1: Pour it in a glass.
0: Well, you oh, can't touch the top. You know – Come on. Your little tab went inside there anyway. And if you, if you can't touch your mouth to the glass at a restaurant, then you shouldn't be putting that silverware in your mouth either. And Come on, just, people. If, if
1: you have just this much worries, the, you should be having <laughs> just kids. Go <laughs> yeah, just, just go away. Yeah,
0: just go away. All right.
1: Well, we got to get now to our desserts. But before we go, awesome. please tell people how they can access your blog.
0: My blog is at goodgreenwitch.com, or you can link it from my Facebook page, of course, Good Green Witch. Um, Also, listen to me on Green Earth Radio and New Dissident Radio, too. Follow me on Twitter, Go Green Witch. Thank you. Thanks for having me Yes, thank
1: you. It's been great to have you. Definitely, we'd love to have you again another time. I'll be here. All right. So now i got to go to our desserts. And so today, desserts, we're doing a special edition of how to make your St. Patrick's Day green in an environmental sense – and if you don't follow some of these rules, then I think if you have a friend that doesn't follow these rules, you should have the right to pinch them for not celebrating St. Patrick's Day appropriate. So, first, at Whole Foods, you can get cabbage as well as some sustainable corned beef. Now, corned beef, that doesn't refer to the cows being fed corn, but from a brisket that's cured in brine. All Whole Foods stores are selling the Welshers Farm corned beef, which is free of antibiotics and added hormones. Also, The meat teams at some of the locations have been brining briskets and round cuts for weeks to make their own corned beef. And then, if you're looking for the perfect Irish-style stout made by a craft brewery, there's Old Number 38 stout made by the North Coast Brewing Company, a microbrewery up in Northern California. Lastly, maybe you just want to hit a bar tonight, you should check out the opening of the Los Angeles Brewing Company in downtown L.A. This place has got a food menu with many organic options, and also a bar that has organic cocktails, and then their biggest draw, 100 beers on tap, many of them craft and from California right here. If you frequent the place, you can then become part of the Los Angeles Beer Club. The way this works, once you've had 50 drinks, you get a mug. If you try all 100 beers, you get a free glass of beer and an appetizer on each following visit. That's all for this week of The Appropriate Omnivore. Tune in next week... My guest is Hannah Crum of Kombucha Camp.